Shalom Aleichem, we're going to explore the Sikha, look at the Sikha, Spintas, volume, Kof Gimel, 23, fantastic Sikha. So, the discussion is that there are three places in the Chumash, in the Torah, where we find that the people approach Moshe Rabbeinu with a question. And in all three cases, uh, it was a difficult question, and, and Moshe had to consult Hashem. What are the three cases? Pesach Sheni, they wanted to know if they can have a makeup date because they missed out. They couldn't bring the first Pesach, they were impure. Moshe said, let's ask Hashem. The second one is the one who collected wood on Shabbos. They knew that he's supposed to be killed, but they weren't sure exactly uh, with what death penalty. There was no precedent. This was new. Parenthetically, Medrash says that this person maybe did it on purpose in order to sanctify Hashem's name and show that it's serious. So they brought him to Moshe. And in today's portion, Pinchas, the daughters of Slavkot, came and said, what do we do? There's no son, so who's going to inherit our portion for the land? In all three cases, however, we find that the people who approached with this issue didn't just approach Moshe alone. They approached also Aaron or Elazar, depending if it was after Aaron's passing. And they approached the leaders. They approached the entire congregation, referring to the, all the judges. They didn't just approach Moshe. And the question becomes, if you approach Moshe and he doesn't know, why are you approaching others? Let's take a look. You have in front of you, in the left column, A, B, and C. Three cases in Chomish Bamidbar. And in all three cases, Pesach Sheni, the wood collector, and the daughters of Tzalafchot, the Torah says that they came over. Let's go through them. In A, they approached Moshe and Aaron. Why are you approaching Aaron if you already approached Moshe? See, if it would have said they approached Aaron and he didn't know, and then they approached Moshe, that makes sense. But it says Moshe before Aaron. The same thing is in case B, and the same thing in case C. Moshe. Elazar, the leaders. If it would have said the opposite, they approached the leaders and Elazar and Moshe, we would say they did exactly what uh, Moshe had instructed them when Yisro made the system of, of the hierarchy of judges. Approach your leaders. If they don't know, go higher to Elazar, what have you. And if not, go to Moshe. But if you approach Moshe first, why would you ask the others anything? This is a common problem in all three of these cases. So the Rebbe says, take a look the way the Medrash handles it and the way Rashi handles it. The Medrash presents two possible answers. Number one is that we should reorganize the verse. That means, even though it says that they approached Moshe and Aaron, it should really, it's as if it says they approached Aaron and Moshe. And then it makes sense. They approached Aaron and he didn't know, so they came to Moshe. Why does the verse say it? In this order, out of respect to Moshe. You don't want to list somebody else before Moshe and the Chumash. So it's out of respect, but really you should reorganize it. Or option number two, that they were all in the study hall and they asked them all together. They didn't go to Moshe and he didn't know, so they went to Aaron. The Moshe and Aaron were sitting together in base Medrash, the study hall, and they asked them as a group. 
and the same thing would apply to B and C. And the Medrash gives the exact same answer in all three cases, ditto as above. Pretty straightforward. Then we have Rashi. Rashi, most of Rashi's comments, by the way, come from Medrash or Gemara, from the classic oral Torah. Right? Rashi is a thousand years ago. Medrash is two thousand years ago. Rashi doesn't really invent things. He cuts and pastes from Torah Shabbat Peh, from the classic oral Torah, Medrash, Gemara, things like that. However, however, being that Rashi's stated goal is not to collect all the interpretations on a verse, but rather to comment whenever there's a need to help us understand the literal meaning of Shad. That's why Rashi doesn't look exactly like the Medrash or like the Gemara. So Rashi will sometimes say nothing, even though the Medrash is a lot to say in that verse. Or Rashi will sometimes say partial of what the Medrash says. Or as in many Sikhs, deviate slightly from the Medrash, even though he's quoting nominally from the Medrash. And what's the reason? Because Rashi is, is employing Tereshavah classic oral Torah, but giving it to the teacher as per the need in the world of Pshat. So Rebbe says, let's analyze the Rashi. In the first case, in case A, Rashi only brings the second answer of the Medrash. That they're all in the study hall and they ask them together. In the second case, in B, there's no comment. There's no entry on Rashi. And in C, Rashi quotes the Medrash pretty much verbatim. The two options that the Medrash gives. So the Rebbe says, let's analyze this. On the bottom of your screen, the Rebbe's questions, why does Rashi change his entry? And my initial focus now is going to be, why does he change between A and C? We could put B on the side for the moment. Firstly, because B is possible that Rashi is relying on what he wrote in A. A is in the portion of Baha'aloscha. B is in the portion of Shalach, the immediately following portion. And maybe Rashi didn't bother commenting. But as we'll see, we're going to revisit that later. So for the sake of clarity, let's minimize the window of B, let's put B aside, and we're focusing on the two places where Rashi does comment, why does he make the difference? That in one, he only quotes one answer of the Medrash, and in the other, he quotes both. And the Rebbe says, let's take a look at it, let's analyze this. So the fact that in A, Rashi only quotes the second answer of the Medrash, and he doesn't say, um, of the answer of organizing, reorganizing the verse, that's logical. Because in the world of Pshat, unlike in the world of Medrash, where pretty much everything goes, in the world of Pshat, in the literal level of interpretation, to say that the verse should be reorganized is not really so acceptable. Because uh, in the literal level, things say what they mean and mean what they say. So you're telling me that the verse is read this way and really you should read it that way. That's not the best option in Pshat. And that's why Rashi doesn't bring that. Instead, he opts for the answer number two, which the Medrash gives, which is uh, that uh, they approached before Moshe and before Aaron. Doesn't mean they went to Moshe and then to Aaron. They went to Moshe and Aaron together. They went to study all together. And that is fine. That works in Pshat. And that's why Rashi omits the Medrash's first interpretation and opts for the second. But then the question becomes stronger. When it comes to case C, why does Rashi, in fact, include the Medrash's first option, and it includes it as his first option, which when we know Rashi, when Rashi brings two answers, it's because neither is fully satisfactory, but the first one is closer to being satisfactory on the level of shot, on the literal level. Really? 
that first one is closer to, to fitting into Pshat. It hardly seems to fit nicely into Pshat to reorganize a verse from what it says, which seems to be the reason why Rashi omits that completely in case A. So why does he include it in case C? And, and not only that, but includes it as the first option, as the most literal interpretation. This is the Rebbe's question. Now, um, the Rebbe first proposes an explanation. I just noted in the bottom of the screen that although all three have similar texts, all three psukim, all three verses, however, we see something different in C from A. That in C, it says that not only they approached Moshe and Allah, etc., they approached the entire congregation. And therefore, it's difficult to say that they all met in the study hall because you can't fit all the Jews in the study hall. And that's why Rashi is bothered by that answer. And therefore, he gives another option to reorganize the verse. But since that is not so smooth in the shot level, so he also gives the other answer. But he gives it second, because it's not such a satisfactory answer. So that might be a simple explanation. Just look at the text. What's the difference between A and C? Remember, we're putting B aside for now. In A, they just approached Moshe and Aaron. So it makes sense. They were in the base measure studying. But in C, they approached Moshe, Elazar, and the leaders, and the entire congregation. It doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't mean all the Jews, but it means a good representation of the Jews. They all fit into the base medrash. It, it doesn't fit. And therefore, that answer is problematic. And therefore, Rashi feels a need to bring answer one. The Rebbe quickly refutes this. few ways, but I'm opting to keep it simple and straight today. That when it says the entire congregation, it doesn't mean the representation of all the Jews. It means the Sanhedrin. As Rashi says in many places, in numerous places, and whenever it uses the word kol ha'eda, the entire congregation, as opposed to kol ha'am, which could mean all the people or most of the people or a representation of all the people. But when it says kol ha'eda, the congregation represents the Sanhedrin, the 71 leaders. So that is, uh, that could fit into the base membership. So therefore, we're back to the square A. Why the difference between A and C in Rashi's entry? So I'm going to scroll down to the next screen. And on the next screen, I'm going to drop the Medrash because we don't need that. We know what the Medrash says. He's consistent in all three. I'm just going to have the Rashi versus the text. And it will delineate some details, which the Rebbe is going to use to explain the nuance of text to answer these questions. So here's our new screen. So, sorry. So the Rebbe says, I have another proposed explanation. And that is that in C, it says tent of meeting. So it's not the study hall. Take a look at the screen. Right? Take a look at the screen. And, and if you look at the text A, B, and C, in A and B, it doesn't say where they met. 
They went over to him. They approached him. They went to them. Doesn't say where. They could have been walking down the street. They could have been next to the Mishkan. I don't know. But in they could have been in the base Medrash. But in C, it clearly states they stood before Moshe and Allah and the leaders and the entire congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So it wasn't in the base Medrash. Aha! So you can't give that answer. So maybe that's the reason why Rashi feels a need to give an alternate answer as his first answer. So the Rebbe said, but let's analyze that. Who cares where it was? Like you technically gave me an answer that you can't say it was in the study hall because the Torah says it was before the tenth of meeting. So you stopped me. Like who really cares? And besides, who said that the tenth of meeting is not where the study hall was? We know later the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, was supposed to be parked right next to the Mizbeach in the Holy Temple. And probably in the Mishkan here as well, the Sanhedrin would convene in the courtyard of the Mishkan before the tent of meeting. Where else would they go? But more importantly, it seems the Rebbe is asking, who cares? Tent of meeting, base medrash. And if they met in the tent of meeting instead of the base medrash, does it disqualify the interpretation? In essence, the Rebbe is really asking a broader question. Why does Rashi and the Medrash bother talking, employing the concept of study hall, base Medrash? As far as I know, I don't know if the word base Medrash even appears anywhere in the Chumash. You know, why, does, why does Rashi say on the Pshat level that, you know, they approached him in the base Medrash and they asked them the question together. Rashi doesn't add extra words. Like, why is that relevant? Especially since the text says that they met by the tenth of meeting. What's going on? So the Rebbe uses this as a springboard for his interpretation. And the Rebbe says, the Rebbe says, step back a second. Why can't we just answer all of these in a very simple fashion? That they approached Moshe. In all three cases, they were really talking to Moshe. except others happened to be next to him. Moshe was a popular guy. So if Moshe was hanging around, usually Aaron was there, maybe Elazar, maybe some of the leaders, maybe some of the elders. Why can't we say that? That would, can be an acceptable interpretation on the shot level. And then we have no problem. We don't need any Rashi. Right? In A, they approached Moshe and Aaron. Moshe was there, and Aaron happened to be with them. So he also heard the conversation. And the same thing would be in C. Uh, uh, they approached Moshe, Lazar, the leaders, the congregation. Of course, they were all around and they all heard the conversation, but really they were asking the question to Moshe. Why do we have to say that they were addressing everybody? Which would create an issue that maybe you're disrespecting Moshe. And we have to decide that they're not disrespecting Moshe. And why not? Because either they asked Aaron first or the other subordinates before Moshe, reversing the order. Or alternatively, that they asked them all the question collectively, but they actually meant to ask everybody. Give a simple answer. They were just talking to Moshe. The others were happened to be within earshot. So the Rebbe says there's a diok, there's a nuance in the verses. If you look in A and C, it says they approach before Moshe and before Aaron, or before Elazar, before the leaders. That's an extra word. It could have said they approach Moshe and Aaron. What is the idea of before? And that is indicating that the question was posed to Moshe as well as to Aaron 
separately and independently. And the same thing is in C. They stood before Moshe, they stood before Elazar, before the leaders. The language before means that they presented the question to them with respect to their authority as halachic decisors. You know, when you go to a court, to a judge, to a based in Lahavdal, you present a shaila before the court. I placed this before the court. When the Torah says they placed it before Moshe and before Aaron, that means that clearly they were asking both of them the question. It wasn't just a Moshe. Says the Rebbe. So that, that creates the issue. That nuance of the word before, which is found in A and in C, creates the issue that necessitates interpretation to begin with. Because that word indicates that there was a certain equality. They both were asked the question. And now the, now, so the answer is we have options. We could say that they asked them, so the Rebbe in A says, what does Rashi say in A? The simple answer. You gave the question to Moshe and you presented it also to Aaron. I have an answer. They were in a study hall. A study hall is a place that equalizes everybody because a study hall denotes not a top-down teaching, in which case Moshe would be the only speaker, but rather a study hall denotes a place of discussion and debate. But even though a study hall, and this is how the Rebbe is explaining why the study hall is important. Why the study hall is brought into both of these Rashi's. Like who even discussed the study hall? It's key because the study hall is a different type of environment. There's environments where Moshe is the leader and he's the prophet and Hashem speaks and tells him and he just talks and everyone else is quiet. The study hall represents a place where all those that are present discuss and debate. That's the nature of a base medrash of a study hall. Even though there's a superior, there's a Rosh Hashiva and there's a Rav and etc. But nevertheless, if you walk into a study hall, you don't hear just the Rosh Hashiva. You hear everybody arguing and screaming. And even the Rosh Hashiva says something, people will question and debate. That's the beauty of it. It's called pilpul. It's called, uh, you know, uh, the language is that uh, when the, there's no base medrash, there's no study hall without innovation. And why? Because there are many minds. And the nature of it and the way Torah wills it is that there should be an equality. People discuss, even if you're not the top guy in the room, you have an opinion and you discuss, and that's how we dig deeper into the wisdom. And therefore, Rashi employs, this is brilliant, Rashi employs or introduces the Midrashic language that they went to the study hall, not that they went to Moshe. Like, why? Who cares? We care very much because the study hall is the one place where we can address both Moshe and Aaron to different levels completely. And we can distress them both as if they both can answer the question. But not that we asked Moshe and he didn't know we went to Aaron, that wouldn't make any sense. But we presented it before Moshe and before Aaron to both of them because they were both there. And they were both given the respect of the question because that's what you do in a study hall. So Rashi settles that quite easily. When he comes to KC of the daughters of Tzalafcha in today's portion of Pinchas. So Rashi would be inclined to do the same thing. There's only one problem. That here the Torah says the location. And it says, as the Rebbe suggested earlier, it was by the tent of meeting. If it was supposed to be the study hall, it wouldn't have said the tent of meeting. And the Rebbe says it's not about so much the geography of that whether the tent of meeting was also the place of the study hall or not. The Torah is indicating a location, like why, who cares, to indicate what the theme and the spirit of the, of the meeting was. 
When you're in front of the tent of meeting, that means you are there to listen and Moshe is there to speak. That's what happened by the tent of meeting. Hashem meets with Moshe, gives him prophetic instruction, and Moshe preaches. When I gave the class in my community, I told the people, that's the difference between when the rabbi gives a sermon, or when he's teaching a shir, when he's giving a sermon, he talks and everybody listens or sleeps. When he's giving a shir, there's a discussion back and forth. It's a different animal. So when the Torah says clearly that this meeting in, in our portion happened in front of the tent of meeting, the Torah is indicating this was a top-down type of communication. This wasn't a tent of meeting on a great equality of Moshe and Elazar and the leaders. No. And therefore, because of that additional words, in the case of C, Rashi decides that the study hall answer is not the preferred answer in the Pshat level. Rather, he would prefer to reorganize the verse. And therefore, what, what would be the meaning of the verse? That was at first, you know, they came to the tent of meeting because that's where that's where the leadership is. If you have a question, and they searched out first the, uh, I guess the Sanhedrin, and they didn't know. Then they searched out the leaders of the. They didn't know. They searched out Allah, or he didn't know. So they went to Moshe, and that's a preferred answer in Rashi. Reorganizing the verse, however, one understands. That that is not completely satisfactory, because reorganization of the verse means that it's saying opposite of what it means. Even though, as we said earlier, that it still makes sense why the Torah would write it in the order of top down out of respect for Moshe. But nevertheless, you're still telling us that the meaning of the verse is backwards. That's somewhat problematic, and therefore Rashi has option to puts in that what that they were in the study hall and they, were, they presented the question for all of them simultaneously, because all of them were in a mode of study, a pilpul of, of conversation rather than a mode of top-down. And why is this answer uh, second? Because it, it seems to fly in the face of what the text says that it was by the tent of meeting, meaning it was a spirit of, it wasn't a spirit of base medrash. And that's why Rashi puts it in as second, because it's problematic. Now, it's not impossible to learn that way. Because one would say that the fact that it says tenth of meeting is more a reference to the last part of the verse that the entire congregation, meaning the Sanhedrin or maybe some other Jews, hung around the tenth of meeting. But perhaps the first half of the verse, Moshe, Elazar, and the leaders, they were actually in the base medrash. But that's that's problematic. So there's a lot of problems with this option too that the, that the Torah says tenth of meeting, not the spirit of study study hall and the Torah. And in order to make it work, you would have to sort of split the verse and say that the second half of the verse happened at a tenth of meeting, but the first half was elsewhere. Eh, not so smooth. And therefore, Rashi opts as option one and as the most simple shot that actually we reorganized the verse and they did exactly what Moshe had commanded them when Yisrael made the system. First, you go to the Sanhedrin or what have you, your local judges. And if they don't know, you go to the leaders, you go to Allah, you go to Moshe. What happens with option B now? Now that we settled A and C, what happens with option B? Option B, notice, by the way, what I'm telling you right now is not explicit in the Sikha. Notice, by the way, that option B, it does not say that they brought it before Moshe and before Aaron. It doesn't say that. So, but I believe that's what the Rebbe is insinuating. 
Because when it says before, it means I'm presenting each one with a halachic problem. And the main point, what the Rebbe does say explicitly is that in option B, it wasn't a halachic problem. In A and C, they approach with a halachic problem. What should we do about the Pesach Sheni? What should we do about the daughters of Tzalafka? And that's perhaps why it says before Moshe and before Aaron, each one was presented it separately. In B, there was no halacha question, and why not? Because when they brought, the, they found the person collecting wood on Shabbos, they knew the rule, a person who breaks Shabbos is a death penalty. Especially in this case, it was done publicly, and it was for spite, and the witnesses, everything you need to get the death penalty was done in this case. They knew that. The only thing is they, they have to deliver him to the court to figure out which death penalty and how to take care of it. So the language of the text says the Rebbe is that they brought him over to Moshe and Aaron, the congregation, not that they approached them with a question. They brought him over. The Rebbe wants to say that this was really a delivery. It's like the police delivering someone to the courts. It wasn't a halachic question. It was just a service, a delivery service, bringing him in. Because the courts need to figure out what to do. Which death penalty? But there wasn't really a lucky question. And I'm suggesting again that this nuance, even though it's not explicit in the sikha, is be also because the words before don't exist. And to my thinking, that is what the Rebbe means in the sikha when he says that in A and C, it says before, before, before. Not just because that means that each one was asked separately and with the same level of respect, so to speak. But that, that when you ask a halakha question, you put it before the court. What kind of language is you, you, you approach before somebody? You approach somebody. No, but if you're approaching them with a halakha question, you went to the Rav and you put the shaila before him. That's the way people speak. Whereas in B, when it doesn't say before, because there's no halakha question. I'm making clear that this nuance that it doesn't say before is my own interpretation, but I'm reading it into the Sikha. Read the Sikha and decide if you agree with me. But clearly what does say in the Sikha, that in B, there's no halachic question. And therefore, what was there rather? There was a practical thing. We have to deliver the man to the, to the court. And therefore, they delivered him to who? To all of them. Who do you, who, who's going to take, who's going to do it? Moshe, Aaron, the congregation. They deliver it. Clearly, you don't have to bring in a base medrash. Because it's not a halakhic question. You don't have to decide that they re, they're reversing the order because it wasn't a halakhic question that you have to ask the subordinate before you go to the higher one. It was a delivery to all of them equally because they were the central authority. So just to pause for a moment and look at such a sikh and realize the sheer brilliance and the sheer kedusha, the holiness in understanding a simple rashi which normally seems to be quoting a medrash, I would venture to say that most people, even Torah scholars who read the three Rashis and know the medrash, say Rashi, you know, picks and chooses. In some places he quotes the whole medrash, sometimes he quotes half, sometimes he quotes nothing, whatever. And the Rebbe says it's precise. That in one case he's silent, and in one case he quotes it verbatim with both answers. In one case he only quotes one answer. It's exactly precise, and it's precise because Rashi is learning the pshat, and pshat, literal level, is based on verbiage of the verse. And in this case, the Rebbe says, if you take the time to study it, you see it in front of you. But in A and C, it says the words before, 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 and why? Because it was a halachic question presented to each one, and therefore we have a problem. 
And in A, because it doesn't say the location, we assume where would Moshe and Aaron be in the middle of the day? Where would they be found studying Torah in the study hall? So we don't need the second, the other answer, the first answer of the Medrash, because it's problematic on Pshat to reorganize the words. Whereas in C, when the Torah goes out of its way to say the location, which means it wasn't an environment of Torah study in a study hall. It was an environment of leadership, let's call it, tent of meeting type situation. And therefore we have to, we have to opt to the idea of reorganizing the verse. Otherwise it's going to be an affront to Moshe. We went to him and then we approached others after he uh, didn't give us an answer. And as a second option, we say that no, they were actually in the study hall because of the problems of option one, as said earlier. To reorganize a verse is never completely satisfactory on the literal level. And therefore, option B being that they approach them all together in a study hall, even though that seems to contradict the verse where it says, tent the meeting. But we can figure it out. We can say that that only applies to the congregation, to the latter part of the verse. But again, the nuance and the perfection and the precision. And the Rebbe then, and the Rebbe then, adds a yenishel Torah, a wine of Torah. The Rebbe maintains and teaches us over and over many times in the Kutasichas that even though Rashi is shot, his stated goal is the literal meaning. However, within Rashi is embedded the wine of Torah, midrashic and spiritual, even Kabbalistic things. Rashi was a winemaker, incidentally. Indicating that even though a particular commentary is for a particular goal, but especially Rashi, it's such a holy commentary, it's going to have many other secrets in it. it says the Rebbe that what, there's a beautiful hint here, that uh, the fact that Rashi gives these comments on A and C and not on B. The Rebbe says there's something in common with A and C, unlike B, and that is that in both those cases, it was an inspiration from the people that, that uh, inspired this mitzvah. In the case of Pesach Sheni, right? In Judaism, we have the top-down, Hashem gives us mitzvahs, and then we have when we respond and we initiate. And Hashem has a special love to the fact that when we initiate, for example, it says Hashem has a special love for the rabbinic mitzvahs. Hashem has a special love uh, for the second day of Yantiv, even though it's rabbinic. Why? Because it came from our initiation, which in a sense shows a greater love to a mitzvah when I, I'm so committed that I add to it in a sense when it's appropriate, etc. So um, here, Pesach Sheini and the daughters of Tzlochah were both cases where the mitzvah was not presented top down. Moshe did not say what to do if you're impure. If you're impure, tough luck, you don't do it. Same thing, daughters of Tzlochah. If there's no boys, there's no boys. You're not going to get it. And in both cases, because of their love for the mitzvah of carbon Pesach and their love for the daughters of Slavka, for the love of the land of Israel, the Kedusha, the holiness of the land, etc., they turned around and did not accept it sitting down, and they evoked from Hashem a new mitzvah, or, 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 re, or reminded Moshe of a mitzvah that he knew earlier, whichever way you look at it in commentary. And therefore, it was representation and representative of the beauty of Yiddishkeit, where the people initiate, the people show their love in return. For, for Hashem. Uh, so, therefore, says the Rebbe, that's where Rashi gives his comments, because in both his comments, the spirit of the comments are the idea of the, the Jews' initiation, the Jews' uh, contribution to Torah, if you will. When you talk about a study hall, 
base medrash. Jews are told to study and to argue and to debate, to give their own thoughts and to be mechadish, to innovate, etc., etc. All of this represents what a Hashem's command that Yidin should initiate, that we should make a contribution and we should use our own heads and try to figure stuff out. That's the spirit of a study. And the same thing is the idea of reorganizing a verse. A verse is top down. But when there's a need to reorganize a verse, this is Tanisha Bapet. This is the, 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 the Jews' contribution to Torah, which Hashem loves and welcomes, obviously, in the, in the right fashion, in the kosher fashion, etc., not to uh, take it in the wrong way, but as appropriate. This is, this is a special thing. And therefore, in those two mitzvahs, A and C, where it's represented the human initiation and love for the mitzvahs, and sort of demanding something that wasn't yet commanded, that's where Rashi brings these comments in. Whereas in B, that's not involving that concept at all. Nobody was demanding an extra mitzvah. There's some more detail in the Sikha how A differs from C in this wine of Torah itself. Uh, the Rebbe further splinters that as well. And to me, I think the Rebbe is saying, I think the takeaway of the Sikha in the end becomes this concept of initiation from below. Yeah, Hashem gave us Yiddishkeit and gave us the mitzvahs, but he wants our, we should be so excited about it that we should do it with extra oomph and with extra spirit. And the example the Rebbe gives also that, for example, we're supposed to demand Mashiach, the way they demanded Pesach Sheini and the way they demanded a portion in the land. There's a beautiful vart from the Rebbe regarding Pesach Sheini that uh, it is said that the the uh, description of the fact that the Jews brought the sacrifice, carbon Pesach, on the second year after Exodus is buried in the portion of Baha'u'llah, so even though it really should have been chapter 1, verse 1 of the book, because it happened before chapter 1, verse 1. And Rashi says over there that it's buried in the middle because it's not the finest moment. It doesn't make us look good. Why doesn't it make us look good? We brought a carbon Pesach in year 2. And the answer is, says Rashi, because the other 40, other 39 years in the Midbar, we did not bring a carbon Pesach. The Paschal Lamb was suspended until we came to the Holy Land. So it doesn't make us look so good. We didn't do the mitzvah for various reasons, maybe because we didn't all have circumcision during that period. Whatever the reason, Hashem's instruction was you bring the carbon Pesach the first year upon Exodus and one more year, and then you take a break for 39, 38 years until they went into the Holy Land with Yoshua. And because of that, says Rashi, the Torah buries it in the middle of the book rather than opening the book with it, which is what it should have been chronologically. So the Rebbe asks a question. This is another sikha. The Rebbe says, I don't understand. Why is it a shanda that we didn't bring the Paschal on for 39 years? We weren't commanded to. And the Rebbe says, because Moshe Rabbeinu expected us to demand it the same way they demanded Pesach Sheni and they were given it. If the Jews would have demanded it, say, what do you mean? Lamanigara, why shouldn't we bring it? They would have perhaps gotten the opportunity to do it. And that's why it's a shanda for them. So coming back to here, the takeaway from the Sikha, that just like Pesach Sheni, the daughters of Tzalafchot, the Rebbe wants that we should have our own initiation. And specifically, the Rebbe says the idea that we demand Mashiach. We don't just say Mashiach's not coming. No, when Hashem wants to bring him, gives him to hate. We're ready. No, we're supposed to be the ones to demand it. And that's how some of the great things of Yiddishkeit come from the bottom up, from our investment and our uh, contribution in the mitzvah.